We are glad to have back a member of the Patriotic Millionaires, chairman of the board of the Patriotic Millionaires, Mr. Morris Pearl. Uh, Mr. Pearl was a managing director at BlackRock. That's one of the largest investment firms in the world. And prior to that, he enjoyed a long tenure on Wall Street, where he invented some of the security technology that connects America's capital markets to consumers in need of credit. More than a pleasure to have Mr. Morris Pearl, chairman of the board of the Patriotic Millionaires, joining us. Mr. Pearl, thank you for being with us this afternoon. And welcome. Great to be on your show, Leslie. Thank you. It's interesting because you are a person who could be, who you are a rich man who could, in a sense, buy a politician to a degree or buy some favor with a politician uh, by being a rich political donor. But admirably, you and the rest of the patriotic millionaires protest against such type of political donors, those who are rich, who are writing checks to politicians, hoping to get favor further down the line with regard to legislation. Uh, talk to us about this, because some people would say, that, you know, I, I mean, people that aren't familiar with the organization, I don't know who isn't by now, especially those listening to my program. Uh, but, you know, uh, talk to us about this, because, Mr. Pearl, you are very familiar as a man who, be, who has a checkbook that can say, hey, I could get some perks. I could have access to politicians, uh, certainly, because you would be able to make a big a donation to one's campaign. So, so talk to us first of all about the reality of this, because they, you know there are rich people out there that pretend they don't have such perks and don't have such political access and can't be granted such favor. But that's just not so, well, correct? Yeah, thank you, Leslie. I'm actually right now. I'm in downtown Cleveland, Ohio, and we walk down the street here, and every building has signs about private parties. This is during the Republican National Convention, of course, here in Ohio. And there's all kinds of fancy affairs going on, and there's streets closed so the motorcades or the limousines can go through clearly. Um, so, yeah, there's perks, and no one would doubt that. I'm going to the um, Democratic National Convention next week in Philadelphia, and there's all kinds of invitations to parties and perks and things like that. But I think that our legislators, our elected representatives, are not, like, bought and sold. I don't think it's quite as bad as some people think it is. I think they're honestly trying. They're trying to do a good job, do the best they can for their constituents. But I think that they only see one side of it, because the only people that they really talk to very much, for the most part, people they meet at their fundraisers are people who have enough money to come to their offices with lobbyists occasionally. And... When there's a problem that's come up, for instance, the, uh, the problem with the fiscal crisis in Puerto Rico, they don't hear from the common people. They don't hear from the people who are depending on the schools and the hospitals, but they hear plenty from the hedge fund managers who lent the money and who want the money back. And that's the real problem, is that some people have so much more access than other people. And it's true. Without a doubt. Why are the patriotic millionaires against this? And by the way, it would seem when you when you see right now, obviously Donald Trump, who I think certainly has you know in the past gained political favor uh, with or you know the perks and and the access to politicians with his wealth. Um, but for you know the rise of Donald Trump. Uh, who is not a politician. And also we saw that with, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, although a politician, somebody who said, and, you know, we, you know we're not going to be bought, and I'm not going to be bought as a politician. Um, you know, I'm here to serve the people. 
And the people clearly are echoing the sentiments that you and the other patriotic millionaires are protesting against with regard uh, to these very big donations to politicians. Well, yes. The, the reason that I got involved in politics is because what I'm seeing is this growing inequality. I'm seeing the nation becoming, moving towards the direction of becoming anyway, a country with a very small number of really rich people and then a huge number of poor people. And I don't like that. And I think that this problem with campaign finance is really exacerbating that because the very wealthy, those are the people who have the access, who have the ability to make their views known to their politicians. They're using their vast wealth to get more political power and use that political power to get even wealthier. And that is making them wealthier and everyone else comparatively poorer. And that's making the country a way I don't want it to be. I don't want to grow up in a country like apartheid South Africa where a small number of rich people lived behind big walls and traveled in armored cars and everyone else didn't. I want to live in a country where people can start new businesses and find their neighbors have enough money to buy things in their stores. That's you, what I want to do. Mr. Pearl, you have admitted and, and federal records show that you know, you've spent you know, over a million dollars on uh, politicians, party committees, uh, super PACs um, over the years. And now you stand in Cleveland and you are joining uh, the masses of protesters that, that are gathering there at the Republican National Convention. And we'll talk about uh, what you said in your speech uh, to people you know, who, who are feeling like you are. I want to know what, where the, the shift came for you. What was it that made you change from writing checks to say, hey, wait a minute, I, I just don't like wealthy people using well, their wealth to get more political power, even though you had done so at one time? Well, frankly, I'm still doing that. I've spent many tens of thousands of dollars this year supporting political committees and organizations and candidates that are trying to get my point of view across. I'm still a political donor, even this year. Um, so it's not that I've completely changed. I've always been a progressive. I think it's a mistake to think that most people who give money are giving money and supporting candidates because they support their own personal short-term financial interests. We remember from What's Wrong with Kansas, People ask, oh, why are these people in Kansas voting against their own self-interest and being irrational? Well, they're not. They're voting not for their short-term financial self-interest, but for what they think is best for the country. And I'm also doing what I think is best for the country, not necessarily what I think is for my own short-term financial self-interests. So I'm, I'm not voting against myself. I'm voting for what I think and spending my money to support candidates who are taking positions that I think are really best for the country. I think most people are like that, maybe even everyone. But there's a small number of people who make money, for instance, extracting minerals from the earth, who they don't really care if there's a robust middle class or not. They don't really care what other people do. They don't want regulations. They don't want higher minimum wage or safety regulations. And so that's the kind of thing that they are supporting these candidates taking their positions. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Mr. Morris Pearl, chairman of the board of the Patriotic Millionaires. More after this. Don't go away. (laughs) 
Mr. Morris Pearl, chairman of the board of the Patriotic Millionaires, is our guest. Mr. Pearl, I don't know if you know a little trivia. That uh, Money uh, song, Donald Trump had a radio show very briefly years back, and that was his uh, theme music <laughs> for, for the show. I did not know that. Uh, you I did spoke, not know that. You spoke at the public square, uh, one of a handful of protest zones that set up around Cleveland during this convention. And uh, you were speaking, and I quote, some wealthy people are using their wealth to get more political power and using their political power to get more wealth. Um, yes, first, of all, first of all, talk to us about that and talk to us about the reception, because obviously the people out there at these public squares and other protest zones are there to protest what the Republicans stand for and what this, uh, until tomorrow, presumptive nominee stands for. Um, yeah, I mean, the people there, frankly, there are a lot of press people and people who come for the convention. I honestly don't know if they're Republicans or Democrats or people that happen to live in the neighborhood. Uh, but our reception was generally positive. People came and talked to us and supported the issues that we're with. But I think part of the reason is that it's not really a, a partisan issue. It's a bipartisan issue. Republicans and Democrats are both concerned that there's too much influence of big money donors in politics here in the United States. The first time I was with John Fudner, ran the campaign for um, Representative Bratt, who beat um, the former House Majority Leader Eric Hunter. And so that was a Republican populist movement. And I think both Republicans and Democrats generally agree that there's too much influence of money in politics. The only people who are hard to get on board are the actual politicians. Do you feel, because some people, and, and I agree with you, it's not political. I mean, overwhelming majority of people increasingly uh, see this country divided by wealth. Um, they're concerned about income inequality. So people understand, what is the danger if we continue on this path and we continue to increasingly divide by wealth, do we have a middle class that doesn't exist and we simply have a society of haves and have-nots? That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of living in a country or my kids grow living in a country eventually that has a few rich people and lots of poor people. And I've been on vacation Caribbean islands where people have to live in compounds behind high walls and get driven around armored cars. And, that's not how I want America to be. You know, I want America to be the kind of country where everyone has the chance to be to grow up and live a reasonable life. New York's uh, city system um, is something I understand you favor, which would be public financing of political campaigns, and you like that New York City model, correct? Can you tell us why? Sure. I think it's worked fairly well in New York. In New York, a candidate wants to run for office has to get some number of people to donate up to $175, I think, and then they get a matching fund uh, from the government after they get a certain amount of uh, funds that they raise. And then that's all the money they're allowed to spend on their campaign. So, A, they, they don't have to curry the favor of the rich. Previously in New York, most of our city council representatives were people who had to be on very good terms of real estate developers because those are the people that funded campaigns. So that change in law, not that every single person has participated, but because many people have participated, sort of changed the face of the city council. The city council, instead of being all rich white guys, much now much more reflects the diversity of the city, and they have chosen to implement more policies, which are good for, them, good for their constituents, good for the city, and good for people trying to bring in more people to work in the city. For instance, our all-day day, day, our daycare programs 
for young, you know the young children in New York. Now young children in New York can, can have daycare, and that is allowing more businesses to open in the city because they can get employees and they can pay employees who have small children because those people can then send their children to daycare and in a day. So it's working out well for actual job creators. And you, and, and Mr. Pearl, you and the other patriotic millionaires, um, you know, didn't get where you are without hard work and having a lot of people under you. So you certainly know what it's like to be an employer. You certainly know what it's like to hire people and how to treat people. And and I want to point out, and I have in the past, but I want to point out again that you and the patriotic millionaires do back an increase to a $15 an hour minimum wage. Um, as somebody with such a great business background has been so successful, can you explain to people why this is a good thing? Because, of course, those in Cleveland, inside that arena especially, you know, are painting this as individuals who you know, don't want to work more or they want a handout. And, and because so many of them are wealthy and so many of them push for legislation to help the wealthy and not the middle class, they, they're really out of touch with the majority of Americans who are working hard to put food on the table for their families or to provide health care for their families. Not being rich and working hard are not necessarily strictly related. Plenty of people work very hard and never become rich. And also, if you look at, say, the Forbes 400, about a quarter of those people have never worked a day in their lives. <laughs> and they, they, they worked hard to choose the correct grandparents or parents who had become very rich. So I don't think there's a direct relationship there. But to continue, the reason that we're in favor of a higher minimum wage is so that the businesses and investments that we make can have customers who can afford to shop at them. The best thing to happen to a business that has a lot of minimum wage people is for their customers to get a raise, because they have far more customers than they do employees, and those customers who get raises will spend far more money than what their employees are paid. So that's what people with small businesses actually need is for the rest of the people in their community to have more money to spend at their small businesses. You know, one of the fears um, of not just small uh, business owners, but more so the consumers, um, is that prices would go up. Here in Los Angeles, where I live, there was just a study that was done, um, and they did increase minimum wage, and they looked specifically at the restaurant industry. And do you know what percentage of restaurants increased the items on the menu here in the city of Los Angeles, Mr. Pro? Uh, no, I don't. Zero. Zero. That's zero. Me. Yeah, zero. Zero. Even in New York City, as um, one of our major restaurateurs went through policies of increasing his employees' wages so as not to have tips in his restaurants, he found his profits did not go down. His profits went up. And that's how things work. We have talked with individuals from the Patriotic Millionaires in the past about eliminating the carried interest loophole in tax law and pushing Congress to do so. Uh, for people that missed those programs, can you tell us why this is essential and what that loophole uh, does and who it benefits? Sure. That's the what we call the most egregious sort of poster child of ridiculous tax loopholes. Basically what happens is that certain rich fund managers who manage private equity funds or venture capital funds or, or uh, pitch funds, instead of saying that their pay is their wages and salary, as 
you and most people do and paying tax on it. What they say on their tax returns is they're actually partners with their clients and that they're not getting paid at all except for they're getting paid a share of the profits of their partnership. And since their partnership has capital gains, they only pay tax at the capital gains rate. And as you know, in their infinite wisdom, our um, government has assigned a lower tax rate to people who earn who get capital gains than those the people who actually work for a living. So these people pay taxes at roughly half the rate that people who make comparable amounts of money from actual labor would pay, even though that is their actual labor is investment management, managing the hedge funds or private equity funds or what have you. Well, it's interesting. I think I could steal a phrase that's being used left and right with regard to this specific uh, carried interest loophole in tax law, and that would be the system is rigged. Yeah. I mean, it's not like somebody came along one day and said, oh, let's rig the system in favor of these rich guys. And so some smart lawyers found a loophole in the system in interaction of a bunch of different tax provisions that were put in for a completely different purpose. And now they claim that, oh, either God or the government just sort of meant for private equity managers and hedge fund managers to pay lower tax than everyone else. You know, they think that we're trying to change a hundred years of tax policy. And, well, yeah, I guess we are, because this provision's been in there for years, even though it's only been taken advantage of more recently. But um, we believe it's just so fundamentally unfair as to be egregious. I want to know... How? Because I've done a lot of public speaking. I'm on radio and TV every day. But, you know, when I give speeches and you see the people, how did you remain focused and speak to the people who were there to hear what you had to say when when you had across the square protests with, with megaphones, people having signs to attack Muslims and people uh, having signs that said, put down your alcohol and pick up the Bible? How did you remain focused? I commend you for um, that. <laughs> I just wasn't even looking at them. I just... Uh stay focused on what I'm doing. I uh, say what I came to say, and I leave when I say everything I had to say. Do do you think Republicans care as much, and I know you don't have a tally, um, about the uh, issue uh, as opposed to Democrats with regard to political spending? Well, I think some do. Uh, John Butler does. Um, I don't know that many Republicans, to tell you the truth. I tend to stick with people on my side of the issue. Um, but um, I would think almost as much. You know, I think a lot of Republicans care about this. I think just their leaders think it's a bad idea. Um, and I think, you know, most Democrats are on our side of this, and most Republicans are on our side of this issue. In Philadelphia next week, you will not be standing in a protest, obviously, or public square. Can you tell us uh, when and where you'll be speaking, if you know your schedule, Mr. Pearl? Well, uh, for one thing, the patriotic millionaires are having um, one event for our members and guests, Um, you know, more of a party social event. And and then, uh, you know, I'll be going to the actual convention and seeing the actual proceedings and uh, seeing what's going on. It should be a uh, you know a fun week in Philadelphia with lots of people and uh, lots of our political leaders in the city. 
Definitely. And, and, and with regard to the early question with Republicans, I would agree with you. I mean, and the fact that Trump's populist rhetoric about self-financing his primary campaign is an issue that resonates uh, both left and right. Uh, and I think that we see whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, an independent or somebody who doesn't want to call themselves anything. I think Americans right now are concerned uh, that their votes don't count. And, and one of the the you know, definitely uh, biggest problems with that is uh, this the prevalence of this campaign, you know, finance issues that are ongoing in America in this election year. I mean, that's why some people are voting for a billionaire. They feel, well, he may not be in tune with us, but at least he doesn't need to grovel before other billionaires, being a billionaire himself. So maybe that's the solution. Maybe we should only have, like, wealthy millionaires and billionaires in government. But I don't think that's the right solution. I think we need a government that's sort of representative of the populace and not only very wealthy people. So I think we need a system of campaign finance reform that can allow anyone who can get a reasonable number of supporters to run for office. How do you believe that small donor matching could change our election system? We talked about that earlier. Because... Currently, if you if you want to run for Congress or Senate, you have to get millions and millions of dollars. Some of these Senate races, I'm told, is going to be tens of millions of dollars spent. And it's to raise that kind of money, you need to get large donors. I've been contacted just while I'm in Cleveland on my cell phone here. People have called three different people who run for the United States Senate have called me to talk to me about helping to fund their campaigns. But if they were depending on small dollar donors, they would need a few thousand people to give, say, $200 each or $100 each. That they wouldn't need to call a few rich people from the other side of the country. They they could go in their own state or their own district and find some people to make small donations, and then they could get some matching funds. So it would reduce the need for them to have all these either calls or events or meetups with the small number of wealthy people who end up doing so much of the funding of campaigns. There's really only a few hundred people, six or seven hundred people in the country that sort of give you the level that I do. And not all of them are, you know, some of them are on one side and some are on the other side. But I think we have to change that system so that lots of people are sort of equally, um, have equal amount of access to the political leaders. Last question, Mr. Pearl, and we thank you for your time today. Do you think that our elected officials are just as sick of the way we fund our elections as perhaps the voters are? I think a lot of them are. I think there's plenty of elected officials who hate to go down to 430 South Capitol Street and sit in a little booth and make call after call after call to people who they're hoping will send in money. I think that that's, I mean, I don't think they like it either. But I think they see it as sort of necessary because they they see themselves sort of in a competition to raise money, thinking that, oh, if I have less money than the other guy, then he'll be able to get more votes than me. And I think that they, um, I think I think they are sick of it, at least some of them are. Some of them probably not, but some of them are. Uh, Mr. Pearl, thank you uh, so much. Uh, hopefully I will see you next week in Philly. Morris Pearl, chairman of the board of the Patriotic Millionaires. Follow them on Twitter at Patriotic Mills. The website is patrioticmillionaires.org. Mr. Pearl was joining us live from Cleveland, Ohio, where he is at the Republican National Convention, along with others who protest some of the messages the Republicans are putting forth.